0: You're listening to a Ridgewood Church Podcast. I believe that Ridgewood Church has an amazing future. And it's built on the past that has been dedicated to reaching our community for Jesus Christ. Many of you know, but some of you may not, that our church was formed all the way back in the mid-1800s. Established in 1863, and the Sunday school was launched in our community. And then a Christian ministry site was established in 1882 near where Groveland Cemetery is in that part of town. In 1949, the name was changed to Minnetonka Baptist Church. And then in 1959, a big addition happened at that building. And so our church has an amazing and rich history. And as a picture of that history, this bell tower that you saw outside that we were able to save when we worked on the parking lot is a bell tower from that period of time. And the the bell itself has historical significance. And then there's the newspaper article here just talking about the deep history of our church. But what really intrigues me is this quote over here by Paul Evan, and I want to bring that up for you because Paul Evan was an amazing pastor who brought the church here to this building in 1981. And I want you to focus on the bottom paragraph, if you would. This is what he wrote. The next chapter for Minnetonka Baptist Church will be characterized by outreach we have enjoyed the benefit of the transformation Jesus brings to those who trust him within our fellowship. We look forward now to the opportunity to increase our efforts to penetrate our community and our world with the good news of God's offer of love. And that was back in 1981. And so he was on the same page that we are, really. And I was talking to a man in the in the lobby who was a good friend of of, of the pastor. And he said, yeah, he was was like fantastic. He took the church, he bound it together and moved it forward. And then in 2002, we became Ridgewood Church. But the mission stays the same. And, And I'd love to believe that Pastor Evan would be proud or thankful of where we're headed and thankful for our new mission statement that you become familiar with now, and that is making Jesus known through community impact. And I didn't know Paul Evan had written those words when we, I think as a group at least, devised this mission statement, but it closely matches what he had in mind all that time ago. And so what we want to do is we want to go all the way back and understand that we have a rich history that goes into the 1800s, and it's a history of wanting to reach our community. And I think we can can devise strength from that, but now it's our turn. It's, It's our turn to take what our forefathers gave us, and so we've begun to modernize our facility and we want to bring it up to date so it can be used for many more decades and generations. And so we've called this little project, which really isn't so little, we've called it Illuminate. And Illuminate simply means that we want to refresh our building, we want to grow our budget so we can do other ministries, so that we can be, for many, many generations, a lighthouse here in our community. And the lantern, of course, has become a symbol of lives changed of people coming to know Jesus Christ, of being rescued from darkness and brought into light, eternal life through the love and salvation of Jesus Christ. But the construction has already begun, and it's been exciting to watch it happen. And this is one of the mock-ups. There's a few I could have shown you, but we don't have time. But this is a mock-up of the front, and you can begin to see the sidewalks taking shape, and they've already put the foundations in, and for for this huge canopy that will be lighted and the cross will be lit and people will be able to see the church at night but it's an it's an inviting walkway into the church it's a way to say we we want you to come we want to provide an attractive exterior but we also want to provide clean and safe children's areas and student ministry areas and we've got a new elevator for, for for those that that used um, wheelchairs and and so forth and, and better bathrooms and all this kind of thing. And the reason we're doing it is not to make ourselves happy. The reason we're doing it is because we want to reach people for Christ. And what that means is there is a spiritual war going on. So what we're doing is not going to be easy. And so we're going to need steadfast courage. And that's why the book of Joshua is going to be helpful for us. And in this... Four week series in this amazing narrative. We are going to learn what it means to boldly follow God, what it means to boldly trust God, what it means to boldly honor God and put Him first, and then boldly remain committed even after victory. Because that sometimes is when complacency sets in, and there will always be more work to do. And so today, I want us to learn, both as a church and as individuals, what it means to step out in faith and illuminate Jesus to a dark and dying world. Because the world needs Jesus now, not tomorrow, now. And so it's time for us to be bold. So take your Bibles if you would, and let's turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 1. And you want to grab a Bible, you can use the one in the seat back in front of you. You can turn to page 178, or you can use your Ridgewood app. Joshua, beginning in chapter 1. Don't be afraid to use your index. We don't turn to this book nearly enough. So here's what's happening. Israel has come, and they are on the doorstep, the literal doorstep, of the promised land. They've been wandering in the desert, and all they needed to do was cross the Jordan River. Now you might think, well, that doesn't sound like that big a deal. I mean, I, you know, if you've been to Israel, you've seen the Jordan. It's not really terribly wide, and and where they where they allow you to baptize each other, you know, in the cement, you know, you know, where they built the stadium there, you so can almost just see across it. But that's really not what they were facing. They were facing a river that was flooded at flood stage, that was raging, and across the river were the Canaanites. The Canaanites were not hospitable people. They were ruthless. They had fortified cities like Jericho. And so to cross this river would take great and bold faith. And in order to inherit the land Joshua would need to lead his people to their new homeland despite the risk, despite what might happen, there was the promised land that they'd waited for all this time. And so as we pick up chapter 1 here in verse 1, we see the promotion of Joshua after the death of Moses and a strong admonition over and over again to trust God. So we'll look at 1 through 9, and then we'll unpack as we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, an Old Testament professor used to read it this way, Joshua, the son of a nun, which was a great gift to me, because now I can never read this without thinking about that, so I've just given that gift to you. So you're welcome. Moses' assistant was Joshua. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead, Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the lands of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory, south and all the way to the Mediterranean. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I shall be, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to, Do according to all that the law of the Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. There's a theme there. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wow, what a hopeful, what a hopeful nine verses. And Israel had been wandering in the desert. They're ready to take possession of the land But all of these issues still stood in front of them. And one other issue that we haven't talked about stood in front of them. Their leader, Moses, was dead. And so God was calling Israel to boldly follow a brand new leader. It had been Moses all this time. It had been Moses that led them across the Red Sea. And now it's this Joshua who was an aide to Moses. But they didn't have the same faith in Moses. And so Joshua thought this was important enough to begin the book with it. It's a death notice right at the top. Because they didn't really have to trust Joshua. They needed to trust God. And that's like us. When we're moving into new territory, when we see obstacles, we need to trust. And the land that he says, I am giving them here is the promise to the patriarchs. It's called the Abrahamic covenant. It's given in Genesis 12, one through three. And there are three major components of this covenant. Number one, there's the land portion. That's what they're about to inherit. Not fully, but they're moving into it. And then there's the seed or descendant portion, which is Abraham. Your descendants are going to make a great nation. And then the blessing. And out of that great nation will come Messiah who will reign and become a blessing to the nations. So you can remember it very easily, just land, seed, blessing. This is what they are moving into. But in order to fulfill the land portion of the covenant, the people would need to trust a new leader because they were facing down an opposition that was ruthless. And they knew that. And if you look at verse 2, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. That command is clear, it's concise, and it demands bold faith. God had chosen the right man. If you walk around Israel and talk to people, who's, who's the greatest military man in the history of Israel? Oh, Joshua. Joshua, and, and one of the great thrills I've had in my life is we went to a city and stood in a city, uh, ruins, that Joshua had taken, and so he's famous. He's, he, he was this great man of God, and he did what God asked him to do. He, he boldly followed him, and, and sometimes as individuals, we run up against these obstacles that seem impossible. And and, and it seems like we can never cross. You know, I mean, health issues, financial issues, issues with our marriage. How are we going to cross? What God is saying is, don't worry, I am with you. Be strong, be courageous, be bold. Sometimes we're overcome by temptation. And, And we think, I can't escape this temptation. It could be, you know, to watch porn or to overeat or to gossip or whatever it might be. But again, God is saying, "You can." Why? Because I am with you. Be strong and courageous. And the way we move forward in the Christian life, not by trusting in our own strategy. It's not by coming up with some formula. Joshua had to totally rely on the power of God because God's strategy was crazy throughout the book. But Joshua dutifully obeyed because he believed in the God that was sending him. And that's what bold courage looks like. And bold courage was needed because the opposition was daunting. The Canaanites were ruthless. Do you remember when Joshua himself, along with the spies and his friend Caleb were sent out and they were to bring back a report of the land. Well, Joshua and Caleb were fairly optimistic. You know, don't worry. Yeah, they're big. We can take them. The other spies? Not so much. Here's Numbers 13.32. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. How is that for a positive report? And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. Well, that's a confidence builder. Let's go get them. Here's the thing. It was true. The Canaanites were big. They were strong. They had fortified cities like Jericho. They were formidable. But God doesn't care. God doesn't care, because God is God. And anything that we face is child's play for God. But yet we're so linear, all we see is, oh, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do that. God is saying, why not? Come, cross the Jordan. Come on. And and, and Joshua's amazing, because he's going to do it. And the question was, Here, for Israel, would they be bold enough to follow Joshua across the Jordan River? And this question of being bold and obedience is something we all need to stare down in our own lives. As individuals, we have to come to grips with questions like, will I boldly follow God's rules regarding sexuality, even if the culture is totally at odds with it? Will I boldly move into the life of my children and disciple them even if I have no idea what to do? Will I trust you enough, God, to start that process? Will I boldly build relationships with with, with friends and coworkers and and people at school in order to bring them the the love of Christ even though I don't know how to do that? I'm an introvert. God's saying, cross, come on do that? Are, are we willing to boldly put ourselves under accountability of another man or another woman? Are we boldly willing to raise our hand and say, I need help? But that's so hard. So hard to take your mask off in church. And God is saying, come on, cross. And as a church, are we willing, are we willing to put aside our preferences And are we willing to embrace the future that God has for us? And and the future as we we grow our budget and as we refurbish our facilities can birth all kinds of ministry. Things like a preschool, we've talked about that. We're going to explore that really, really hard because a preschool could minister to our community for decades. Think of all the children that would come through here. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Guess what we get to do? We get to love them. We get to give them hope. And we get to tell them about Jesus Christ. That's exciting. It will, it will allow us to, to take steps forward in church planting. And here's where it's really interesting to me. I was talking to a friend of mine named Paul Johnson at Woodridge Church. We're Ridgewood. He's Woodridge. Our, our name's Better. And, and I said, you're better looking, but I have more substance. So I was talking, I, I was talking to Paul. Who, who's a, he's a big church planner? and he said, it's interesting. He goes, I carry this burning in my heart to plant churches. But there's not very many people that understand, get the vision. But here's what church planning is. It's very simply a tool for evangelism. That's all it is. Because studies show that people come to know Christ in church plants far greater numbers than in established churches. So if we want to ex- extend our width If we we want to get out there and extend our reach, then we need to think about planting. And that's what a larger budget would help us do. We need to reach our children. We need to reach our students with the love of Christ. We need to become known in our community. One of the things you said from the very beginning when I got here and we did those town halls is, Paul, we want people to know we're here. All of this happens if we are willing to boldly step forward. And so now is the time. Now is the time to pledge our resources. Even though we know there are plenty of places for that money to go, now is the time. Because Israel was either going to follow God or they weren't. That was their choice. They didn't know this guy, they knew Moses, but Joshua was untried. They had to follow him because they were following God. But the Canaanites, man, that was another story. And next week, we're going to talk about how that began to develop. But here's the thing. If they were willing to cross, guess what happened? They got a huge blessing. The blessing for bold obedience was the promised land. Wow. That's some kind of reward. They've been wandering for 40 years. And there it was they had to boldly obey. And if you look at the boundaries here in 3 and 4, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses from the wilderness. This Lebanon is so as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. What that means is this, that's Israel as it stands now, just bigger. So if you look at the map, You see Israel, you see where Egypt is, you go south, you can go a little bit toward uh, Jordan that way, and you'll get an idea of what the promised land is. But here's the thing, this territory would be taken by hard fighting. This was going to be hard. This was not going to be handed to them. The Canaanites didn't like when people came and said, we want your city. Sure, go ahead. And so what he's talking about here by their souls treading on every part of it is marching on it. They will not have full possession of the land until one day Messiah reigns and Jesus comes back. Still, they were walking into an amazing gift. In Exodus, it calls this land that it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And when I take groups to Israel, and they see the valley for the first time, they always just gasp because it's so beautiful. It's stunningly beautiful. And so, here they were, ready to make that decision. They could possess the land, but it wouldn't come cheaply. And they had to believe that God was with them. And here's what we know when we reach out to touch a dying world, don't forget that God has promised His power to those who boldly follow Him. The language here is rich in 5 and 6. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, Or forsake you, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. When you're laying at night and you're tossing and turning, you're full of anxiety, you're full of grief, you're dying inside, these are the words for you. Be strong and courageous. I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. He's there. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. I'm bringing this on a roller coaster. I just decided that right now. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remember what Jesus said when he gave us the Great Commission? What did he say at the end? I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So there really is no reason to not go because God is with us, because there is a blessing to be had. And, and if you look here at, at 6 through 8, we won't read it all again, but there's this admonition that if you're going to inherit the land, you have to keep the law close to you. You can't deviate from it. You need to read it. You don't, don't turn to the right or to the left. And so as we move forward, both as individuals and as, in, as, as a people in a church, Man, we've got to keep the Bible foremost. we got to keep doctrine in front of us. And we've got to keep doing it for the right reasons. And the right reason is to reach the world for Jesus Christ. So the question for us today is, what are we willing to risk to boldly follow God? What, what are we willing to risk there, there certainly is a financial element to this. We can't do it without money, and that's okay. But even deeper than that, are we? can we unify ourselves in the mission? Can we unify ourselves to come to an agreement that this really isn't about us? It's about equipping and discipling and making new Christians. But we are the ones that need to be equipped and discipled. We're the ones that go out there and do that. Can we we come to an agreement on the mission? Because what our world needs now is not a bunch of Christian legalists. They don't need more people telling them what they can't do. Here's what they need. They need a church that is boldly praying. They need a church that is boldly equipping. They need a church that is boldly discipling boldly reaching into young families, boldly reaching into our student ministries and children's ministries, boldly proclaiming the love of Jesus Christ, a church that boldly proclaims the truth of the Bible. So can we be that kind of a church? This is the kind of church that is willing to cross the Jordan River into places that we don't even know exist yet because we're following God. God. And just a a tool for that is a restored facility. It's not everything, but it's a tool. Here here are the goals of of Illuminate. There's this part here of 100% engagement. We want everyone to be on board because even if you're just praying, to be on board because we want to be unified. And then the secondary goal is that we are believing God will provide the funds necessary to accomplish this amazing Kingdom building initiative. Because here's the truth of the matter there's only one way to be saved from the wrath of sin and death, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if we don't tell our neighbors, our schoolmates, our fellow workers, our family members, then they aren't going to know. And if we're a church that's closed off, if we're a church that is a club and we're not open and we're not going outward, then people aren't going to hear so we need to be bold the future's in front of us and, and we we want to honor the past we, we want to I wish Paul Evan was standing here right now and I could say Paul how are we doing how are we doing but at the same time we want to create a jumping off point for future leaders so they don't have to deal with this they don't have to walk in and have the, the ceiling fall on their heads like you're going to have next week Wear your helmet. We don't want that. We want them to have a place they can come and go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so here's the thing. Won't you pray? Won't you please pray about pledging? Won't you please seek God about increasing your pledge? And won't you pray about praying? Because we need prayer support. We need wisdom. We need power. And the time is running out because the world needs Jesus. It's time for us to be bold. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. We encourage you to receive the message that was just given and let the Lord do a mighty work in and through you. For more information on how to connect, give to this ministry, or for more faith-based resources, visit us at myrwc.org.